No matter what you are, I will always listen to you. Doesn't matter who the guest is, guest is with you. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Jordan High 2004 podcast. This is Gonzo. And this is Steve. How's it going, Steve? I'm good. You know, I'm, I'm good. Uh, school has started. Kids are in school and... You know what? It's actually been kind of hard, and I would love if any of you out there listening have some advice. So, during the summer, we moved, and it's like new neighborhood, new church people, and for my kids, my daughter, she's like already made a ton of friends, but my son, he's seven, he's in second grade, he's having a really hard time. Like, the first couple of days, he didn't have any familiar faces that he can go play with, and like, so Wednesday, Thursday... And then like, when Friday came, he was like, Dad, I don't want to go to school because he, he's just sad because like, he doesn't have friends. He'll ask people to play and the kids are like, nah. And so he's trying to figure out. And I'm like, gosh, I don't know, buddy. Like I had him bring a basketball one day and no one wanted to play with him. So then we like, we had him bring his joke book. I'm like, people love funny people. Like maybe you can be like the funny kid. And uh, I think this week I'll send him to school with like a ton of candy. You know, like you saying that makes me think like, my parents never cared if I had a single friend. <laughs> well, he's been like, it's just that he's been kind of mean and really emotional. He was beating me up a whole bunch at like that birthday party. Yeah, I know. He's like, she's all serious about it. But, uh. It was like hugging him so tight. I'm like, just let go of that anger. Just let it go. <laughs> like, he's like the Hulk. He's like, and he, uh, in his little prayers, he's just like, Heavenly Father, I, I don't want to be the new kid anymore. Oh, and it's like, it's heartbreaking. I'm like, oh, I just want to go to school and be like, hey, kid, be his friend or I'll beat you up. <laughs> um, and so, I don't know. If any of you guys out there have any advice of how, how we can make some have a Have a really fun party. Invite everybody in this class. That's what I want to do. And then just like make a whole bunch of s'mores. Have all this kids sing karaoke. I don't know if that's like, <laughs> I don't know if that's fun kids for the kids. Kids love karaoke. Yeah. yeah. At least they can listen to us sing. <laughs> yeah, I'll come. I'll sing karaoke. <laughs> hey, all you seven-year-olds, me and my friend Gonzo, we're going to sing some Queen songs. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's been on my mind. It's just been, it's been hard to watch because he's been very emotional in other ways. And he's asking questions like, why am I so sad? You have to make it like, remember who told that story about Bobby Hitt's like, birthday party when he was in like fifth grade or something with the Jasper showed up. Someone told that story, was right? Andy? I, don't I don't know. But somebody told that story, just have like a sweet party, like something that seven year olds would love. Have Mario show up. <laughs> <laughs> I just have like a lie. Like, his birthday is next week. <laughs> it doesn't have to be a birthday, but it's like, I don't know. Mario would be sweet. Like, Hey, it's me, I'm Mario. <laughs> what if you just hey, show? Hey, I'll hey, buy you a Mario costume. You just show. Yeah, up. I'll be Mario. <laughs> it's like you look like my friend Gonzo. Just a big old mustache. <laughs> so anyway, that's that's been on my mind. Like yeah. I think about it a lot, just how to help him, and also like letting him struggle, like letting him kind of figure it out. And I don't know. So if anyone out there has some advice for me, let me know. Yeah, send in a voice memo. Yeah, I just... What's the best way for a, kid to, for a parent to help kids have friends? <laughs> and, and I think it will also naturally happen with time. It know? will. And I think that's the hard part. Is he doesn't even have, like, those familiar faces from the neighborhood or from church. It's like, everybody's new. And he's like, why did we move, Dad? I'm like, I don't know. Because. <laughs> because I wanted to. <laughs> You'll be okay. Uh, 
Um, so I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. yeah. It, I mean, you're right. It will be fine. Once he's more familiar with everything, it's just, it's been hard. Amelia goes there. I'll make her be like, <laughs> um, well, what grade is she in? She's in fourth. Four, I think that they, I think first through third goes some, and then sec, like fourth through sixth goes at a different time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Because Rosie's been saying she sees Callie, all the like, time. they've been playing in recess all the time, so. Anyway. That's all I got. <laughs> no, no, it's, yeah, sorry about that. No, but it's been, we've been, I've been trying to get people to like come out and play pickleball at night, I'm trying to do one night a week or like play pickleball. But I don't think any, like, I'm probably the most competitive person there. <laughs> I'm like, everyone shut up. Stop like, st- stop being friendly with each other and let's get to, this let's get down to like, catching up this time for pickleball. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. It was fun the other night when we got together. It's a bunch of us. Yeah. So we like, we had Cody and Merritt. It was a lot of people that lived close. So Cody and Merritt were there. Shay Smith, Sam Smith. Smith. Yeah. It was really good to see him. Yeah. And, um, and BJ, BJ was there. Yeah. So it was fun. Yeah. I have, I now know how to play pickleball. I, I had no idea. You were doing good. Just hit that ball and just hope it lands in. That it, we're all doing that. <laughs> <laughs> so who do we who do we have tonight? We are talking to Andrew Macy, and I'm I'm looking forward to it. Like like we've talked about, um, I know he has gotten a few people to come on and has talked about it, and I he's I been called out a couple times. Yeah, a couple times. So I'm really looking forward to have him come on and see what he has to say. I don't have I don't have memories with him. Like we were not we were not friends. So I'm really. I like these more sometimes in some ways, like we're not going to just spend all the time talking about funny memories. Well, instead of thinking like, I can't wait to bring up this funny story. You're just like, Oh, maybe I'll listen. <laughs> yeah. And I get to learn more about this person yeah. I didn't know. So I think it'll be good. I'm really looking forward to it. All right. So here's our conversation with Andrew. All right, Andrew, welcome to the podcast. Thanks guys. It's good to see you. <laughs> it's really good to see you. It's been a really long time. Yeah. It has been a really long time. What, like 17, 18 years? Yeah. 18 years. 18 years. Feels like yesterday, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's nuts, man. It's, I don't know. Like, my wife's a couple years younger than us. And she's like, oh, yeah, like, I've been out of school this long. And I'm like, well, pack on a couple years and that's me. So, but no, it's good to see you guys. This is, I mean, we were chatting beforehand and it's, it's been really fun to, to hear everybody. I'm just going to be completely honest up front. My recollection of high school sucks. Like I don't remember a lot of things <laughs> like some of the people I'm like, yeah, I remember that person now, but you would have, I, I wouldn't have been able to pick them out of a line of people if you were showed me to them, you know, but <laughs> it was, uh, it was really, it's been fun to listen. Oh, cool. Well, you know what? It's like, I think most people are like that. that they have like, you know, it's like, High school was a long time ago, and they don't remember any. Just well, like you had a lot going on. Yeah, <laughs> right. Living life yeah. now, you're not living in the past twenty years ago. <laughs> but catch us up a little bit. Tell us what's been going on All in right. your life. What's what's happened with you for the last twenty years? There's been a little bit that's happened post high school. So interesting thing about me. So I'll get into this later, but um, I did not walk when we went with graduation, and that's primarily because like. I didn't have a parent. My mom was a single mom. She was working like three jobs. So I didn't have a parent to keep me accountable at school. 
and I was a lazy schmuck, if I'm being <laughs> honest in high school. I was just like, you know what, whatever. Well, then all of a sudden, like halfway through our senior year, a counselor calls me in and is like, dude, you're not going to be able to graduate unless you do this and this and this and this and this. And I was like, oh my gosh, what the heck? And so um, anyway, so I didn't walk. And then after high school, I was like, I started doing like this, I started doing the work and then I actually talked with multiple people that I trusted, including a lot of people in my family. And they're like, dude, honestly, just go get your GED. Like, it's the same thing. It's not going to be any different. So I did. I went and got my GED and I was done. And, um, and it was a pretty easy test, but like, apparently at that time in my life, I just was terrible at doing the homework. Um, so anyway, after that, I, um, I served a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, I got shipped off to Taiwan. Nice. Um, all that I knew about Taiwan at that time was that everything was made in Taiwan. <laughs> but, um, so anyway, uh, yeah, learned Mandarin Chinese and, um, that was, that was awesome. It was a really awesome experience. And, um, after getting home from, um, serving, I started working. And um, I started going to school and then I just kind of let life take over and let work take over. And I stopped going to school, um, worked a long time, jumped, jumped between a lot of different jobs and um, met my wife when we were when I was 29 and we got married when I was 30. And now we're we're married with two kids and a third one on the way. Oh, congrats. Thanks. So uh, we live in California now. Um, a couple years into our marriage, I was, I worked for Fidelity Investments and I was, um, a, a financial planner for 401ks there and it was a good job, but I just wasn't happy. Um, I just wasn't happy sitting in a call center all day and like taking phone calls and just not being able to be with people face to face for a long time. I looked and I was trying and I was actually in school at that time because basically if I wanted to progress my career with them, I had to have a degree. And so anyway, I was looking for other avenues and then um, an opportunity popped up here in California to come here and um, be a real estate agent and sell homes. And uh, and then COVID happened. <laughs> <laughs> and it's actually, COVID actually helped a lot. It actually helped the real estate market a lot. I mean, you guys have seen it in Utah. Well, all the Californians have been selling their houses and, uh, you know, moving, moving out here. So <laughs> Utah, Boise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, interesting thing. So when you that, gotta sell when it to I somebody, said, yeah, well, and the thing is, is a lot of people have, they have money because the housing out here is so freaking expensive. Like what you can get for $750,000 in Utah is like a big house and it's nice and it's newer here. It's like, mm. you know, $750,000 <laughs> where I live in LA. It's like, yeah, probably something built in like the 1960s, you know, not updated at all. It's like. It's this rundown fixer upper. Um, Crazy. But people buy, people do, and then they fix it up and they're happy. We so you're, like they're happy. You're in LA area? Yeah. Um, not ideal because we don't love LA, but it's it's good. Did your wife grow up there? She did. She grew up in Orange County. That's yeah, nice. so. So you had family around yeah. then? Yeah, so all of her family lives here. Most of her family. <laughs> went to Utah or to Idaho to go to school, whether it's BYU or BYU-Idaho, um, my wife included, and uh, they're all back here. So, How did you guys meet then? We met at a singles ward. 
in Utah. So they actually do sometimes work. I won't <laughs> say often because I was in it for a long time, but didn't you meet your wife at a single sword? Yep. Yeah, there you go. They work. I'm a believer. <laughs> you know what? I mean, I don't know. It, yeah, I guess it kind of depends. I guess yeah. you get in, you get out of it what you put into it, I think. Yep. So we're out here. We've been out here for just shy of three years. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty wild, man. Cause I saw a lot of stuff. Like we'd go downtown. We don't go downtown very often because it's overrun by homeless and it's actually a really dangerous place now to go downtown. We took our kids there once when family came to visit and like some guy was walking around, like following us, trying to like get near our kids. And so we actually haven't been back since just because we're like, you know what? Like there's some cool stuff, but it's not worth, you know, the potential of somebody trying to get our kids or, I mean, that's, that's what I'm more worried about is my kids. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's been really interesting. We've had, uh, we've had a couple people, we live in a community that's a gated community, but our front door is not within the gate. So we have like this patio in front of our house and we have some furniture We've had multiple homeless people sleep in our patio area on our couch. And um, I actually, so I actually worked in the same community selling these houses for a while that the houses, the house, the same houses that we bought. But um, yeah, I kind of acted as like security guard and salesman and community member, everything for a while. And, um, but then I just realized like, dude, I can't do it all. Like, and so I started calling the police and they were, I mean, the police here are really respectful. Um, they're, they're not, you know, I've never seen them overstep their boundaries with power or anything like that in regard to like helping the homeless people to, to leave the community or anything like that. And so, um, yeah, I'm personally, I'm very grateful for that because it's helped me a lot and helped me to have a lot, um, a lot more peace of conscience, I guess, or just peace of mind. Interesting. So, and now you're just down there. It's really nice to get a lot of people be sleeping on your patio, though. It is. I mean, yeah, it's it's a pretty nice patio, and you know, the sun doesn't <laughs> the sun doesn't hit it. It's it's west facing, so in the morning it stays shaded for a little bit. So <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, thanks for uh, thanks for catching us up, and yeah, really gonna get into the meat of it now. Andrew, <laughs> hey. Tell us about Andrew in high school. What were you like? What were the things oh, that you liked? What did you do? It sounds like you know you had stuff going on. I did have stuff going on. Some was good and some was not good. So I was actually a very different person my sophomore and junior year than I was my senior year. And I'll, I'll get into that in a second. But like going into high school, it's interesting. So I moved into Jordan High School boundaries when I was in seventh grade. So all of my life leading up to that point was in Brighton school boundaries, um, in Cottonwood Heights. And so I had my core friendship of friends, lifelong friends were in Brighton. They all went to Brighton. So, so I kind of tried to juggle that looking back on it. I wish I would have just been like, you know what? Like I'm in Jordan. Let me dive hundred percent into Jordan. Cause I think I lost, lost out on some experiences that way, but that's all right. So anyway, sophomore and junior year, I was a lot more charismatic. I tried to try to be friendly, tried to, hang out with people, try to make friends. Um, I always tried to make people feel comfortable. I was actually pretty shy. Um, and mostly because I was really worried about what people thought of me growing up. I was bullied because I was fat. I was a very chubby kid and I was bullied. So I've always had a body image issue where I 
regardless of how skinny or how big I was, I always thought I was fat. And it, it made me really worry about what people thought of me. So I didn't actually have a lot of self-confidence, but I loved sports. I loved playing basketball. That was like my love. I, I know you guys play tennis. I love playing tennis. I have an uncle that was, he's a, actually a tennis instructor up in Heber. And so I would go and hit with him periodically and it was really fun. But I also had to work because my mom was a single mom. So I, I had a job since I was 14 years old. Um, at 14, I was cleaning an elementary school, Sandy Elementary. And then once I turned 16, um, I got a job working with my brother at a grocery store. It was actually in Cottonwood Heights, uh, Cottonwood Heights holiday area. And so basically I would go to school, I'd get off, I'd go to work, I'd come home and I just tried to play basketball as much as I could. And, you know, other things, my grades suffered, all that stuff because basketball was my life, you know? How old were you when your parents split? I don't know, either four or five years old. Oh, okay. So I don't actually remember a lot about it. I do remember the night that they told us, like, everybody was crying. And I was like, why is everybody crying? This is weird. But other than that, the next thing I know, we were been in my uncle's basement in Conroe Heights. And my dad wasn't there. And so at that point, my dad actually basically kind of started doing his own thing. And he really wasn't that active in regards to being in our lives, he had his demons and he had his addictions and, uh, it, uh, it kind of controlled them. And unfortunately that led to him not being part of our lives that much. Um, and it led to my mom having to really like, I don't want to say kill herself, but like she really worked herself to the bone, um, trying to support us. Cause we have a big family. We've got seven kids in our family. Oh, wow. Hmm. And so fortunately, like most of them were, <clears throat> um, pretty much every one of us, when we got into high school, we started working right away and tried to take some of that burden off of her. And it was, uh, it was pretty wild. So during those times, like I would try to attend football games, basketball games, try to be really social. I don't know when it started, but going into our senior year, I got addicted to pornography. It was something that I had struggled with throughout my childhood because that was one of the addictions my dad had. And he had it around his apartment. So like my, my little brother and I would go and have sleepovers with him and he'd have it around and we'd, we'd get exposed to it. Um, and he was just, he was very casual about it. He's like, Oh, don't worry about that. Whatever. But like, once you see that stuff, you're not going to unsee it. And, uh, unfortunately for me and for some of the people in our family, uh, my family, like that was something that really became an addiction. And so like going into senior year, that was something that really became a problem and it caused me to be very depressed. And like, I was, it felt like there was just like this dark cloud over me all the time. I didn't feel like I was myself because I wasn't like, I honestly wasn't. Um, but, uh, you know, then I, because of that, I started saying I'm too late indulging in that, that stuff. And, uh, then I would sleep in and I'd start skipping school. And next thing you know, like, there would be multiple days went by that I didn't even go to school. And then I'd go back to school because like I knew I had to because my mom was home. And then I'd be like, crap, is this, an, is this, what day is it? Like, is it an A or B day? I don't even know. <laughs> and so it was, it was a disaster, honestly. And it was something that I hid and I did a very good job of hiding because, um, 
I know there have been a lot of people on this podcast that have talked about this, but the thing about pornography in my, my personal view is it's a very selfish addiction. You're not, you're, you're just thinking about yourself. You're, you're, you're objectifying whoever you're watching. You're objectifying whoever you're looking at. And all you're thinking about is your own needs, your, your own desires. And so I, I feel like I became a very selfish person and I didn't worry about other people as much as I should have. And sadly that, that led to me losing out on some friendships. And, uh, like I remember going to the yearbook signing senior year, like right at the end. And, um, I remember Andrew Glade, he was like, dude, where have you been? Like, I haven't seen you forever. And I was like, oh, you know, I've been around. Totally lying, right? He's like, are you even going to graduate? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. But that's kind of how it went. It's like people that I was spending time with, I stopped spending time with. And uh, I stopped going to school. I stopped doing a lot of things that I should have been doing. And it it uh, it was a really dark part of my life. And that's that's part of why I don't really remember a lot is because it's kind of plagued by this dark cloud, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. And thank you for sharing. But it, it does sound like you had a lot of stuff going on. I mean, obviously, an addiction to pornography, like, and, and to the, you know, to the level that you're talking about where you're, like, missing school and, like, spending a long, long time, like, um, you know, watching porn is, like, you know, that's, like, a, a higher level of addiction. So it was affecting yeah. you not only, like, emotionally like you're saying but it was affecting your day-to-day life and then you were also having like all the stuff going on with your family where you're working or and you're helping out at home trying to like take care of everybody too yeah yeah and i mean honestly like looking back like i had a i, I never knew i was poor growing up like we i didn't know uh, my mom did a really really good job of like kind of hiding that from us and, and still giving us a good life. But like, there's some interesting things that have come of that. So I don't know if it's due to the pornography or if it's just because it's my personality, but I actually have a very addictive personality where I get, I get stuck on things. Um, one of the things was, is we, we would only get one pair of shoes every school year growing up. And it was typically like the pay less special $20 shoes. And then by the end of the year, they were worn out and, um, my older siblings that could, were working could buy their own and stuff like that. So I would always steal them and wear them and then they'd get mad at me. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, when I got old enough and I had my own money, I was addicted to buying shoes. And I mean, at one point in time, I think I had about 40 pairs of shoes. Dang. Um, yeah. And, uh, and it was something that I, I knew was kind of an issue, but I didn't think it was that big of an issue until I met my wife and she's like, dude, you have more shoes than I have. I'm like, yeah, whatever. And she's like, but no, look, look, like they're all very similar. They're just different colors. Like you really need those. And I'm like, yeah, you know, you got to match your outfit thinking it was totally normal, but it really wasn't. So, um, she's taught me some really good things with, uh, anytime, like after we got married, when I would go to, when I'd be on my own and I'd be like going out and, um, shopping, I'd, I would hear a voice in my head being like, is this a need or is this a want? I'd be like, dang it. <clears throat> and I, I want, I want that thing. But then I'd realize like, okay, this is not actually a need. And, um, at that point in time, it was amazing how much money I saved because I all of a sudden wasn't buying stuff just to buy it. It's pretty crazy. Hmm. 
you mentioned that you you lost a few friendships. Like you you said, sophomore mm-hmm. year, junior year, you were really a lot more friendly, a lot more outgoing, and then you kind of flipped that switch. Did you have yeah. like when you lost those friendships? Like, did you have people reaching out to you, or did you just kind of cut them off? Um, I honestly don't remember if they did. Um, I didn't have a cell phone until we were in senior year, so I texted a lot. Like, so I was I was really good friends with Katie Lofgren all throughout senior year. Um, so like she would still text me and stuff like that, but we, I don't, I don't remember if we had any classes together, but, um, Mark Robinson was a really good friend of mine and still is. Um, so he would text me and we'd hang out on the weekends and stuff. But like, I was a really, I was really close with Nick Smith. Um, and then senior year, I mean, he got a girlfriend and then I, I got into what I got into and like that kind of like, we kind of separated and we didn't really talk much and, I mean, it's not like we weren't friends, but we just weren't hanging out like we did. Um, in ninth grade and sophomore year, I was really close with um, Zach Mitchell, if you guys knew him. Um, we went to, um, I, I want to say he was, I think he was at our school that whole time, but he went to Mount Jordan with me um, and we were really good buddies. But there were just some events that happened where I probably didn't handle myself well. He probably didn't handle himself well and it just kind of ruined our friendship. Um, as we, as we grew into high school. Um, but yeah, I don't, I honestly, that's a good question. Steve. I, I don't know. I don't remember if people really reached out that much or if it was just, I kind of isolated myself. And then when it comes to, cause you said like junior and sophomore year, you were friendly and you were trying mm-hmm. to make friends, but then senior you, um, like the pornography addiction, like ex- exacerbated, I'm guessing. Cause it sounds like you were exposed to it a lot earlier than senior year. Yeah. But then what happened senior year to like, you know, it, have it become like a, a, a bigger real issue? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. That's a good question. I honestly don't know. I don't know if there was an event or if it was just something that like I got exposed again. Yeah. So like become more accessible like to you at senior yeah. year and then it, it just like, or easier or I don't know, something like that. Yeah. I mean, we got a computer in our house, so that made it a lot easier. Um, because before we didn't have one, like my brother got a computer and I would sneak on his computer and do all that crap. And that's, that's primarily where it was is my, I didn't know at the time, but my older brother was addicted to it as well. And so he, he had his stuff. I had mine and it was primarily me sneaking onto his computer and then trying to delete the search history to, um, to, to, you know, kill the evidence if you will. Um, but I don't know, like, it's interesting because it was something I remember like seventh and eighth grade, there were periods where I would like get into it. I had some friends that their parents had it and stuff like that, like magazines and stuff. And we'd look at it together and then like, it just wasn't available. And I just, it kind of became something that just got pushed in the back, uh, on the back burner. And I didn't really think about it. And then one thing I've noticed too, so I, I grew up in, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And, you know, I've always believed in Jesus Christ and I've always believed in God. And um, from childhood, I was taught that pornography was something you don't look at. Um, it was something that was not good to, to view and that you tried to avoid it at all costs. And, uh, and so during that time frame, when I was regularly um, consuming that, I, I felt terrible about myself. And that's part of why I, it was such a dark time is because I knew what I was doing was not what God wanted me to do. And I felt horrible. 
Um, I felt like I was a terrible human being. I, um, the thing that actually helped me to overcome that was actually, um, when I went to meet with the counselor, when they called me into the counseling office to tell me that I was not going to graduate because I was skipping school too much and, uh, that I wasn't actually getting good grades. My mom was there and she had no clue any of that was going on. And it, it uh, caught her off guard. A few days after that, she, she and I had a conversation and she just said, Andrew, you're 18 years old. What do you want to do with your life? And I said, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I was working. I was, I had to start going to school at that time because my mom now knew that, um, I was skipping, but yeah, I honestly didn't know. And so she just laid it out and was like, well, you have some options. Uh, you have siblings that, that served missions for the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You can try to prepare yourself for that. You can just work. You can try to figure out school and, and try to figure that out. What do you want to do? And I was like, dude, I don't know. I have no clue. So anyway, that was something that was in my mind. And then a period of time after that, I had a dream. So uh, Stephen Gonzo, you guys, you guys are probably familiar with the painting. It's a, it's a very popular painting in the LDS church. Um, it's a painting of Christ walking in the sky for his second coming. And there's like angels around him, praising him and singing and playing trumpets and stuff. And growing up, there were, there were some leaders that I had that tried to use scare tactics to convince us as kids to live a certain way. And one of those, one of those things that some of the leaders would use is, Hey, you know, there's like that parable, of the 10 virgins. We don't know when Christ is going to come back, but we do know he's coming back. And you want to be prepared when he's back. So these are the things you need to do to make sure you're prepared. And, and then they would talk about his second coming and, you know, and, and it wasn't in a lot of cases, it wasn't like a hopeful thing. It was like, do good or you're going to go to hell. You're not going to be prepared. So anyway, this dream, I wake up in this dream and I'm in my bedroom. I go upstairs and there's nobody in my house and I'm looking for my family I'm like, dude, this is weird. Like, where's my family at? For some reason, I was stuck on where my family was. So um, next to our front door, we had a big window that had, you know, some trees. And there was a view of the, you could you could see some of the mountains on the east side of the, the Salt Lake Valley there. And then there was like a chair and a couch. So anyway, I sat, I sat on the couch and I was just thinking to myself like, okay, well, where's my family? This is really weird. And I looked out the window and... I saw in the sky over the mountains that basically that picture of Christ where he's walking in the clouds with his angels and I panicked and all of a sudden I just thought it's too late. I'm going to hell. Like my family's going to go to heaven. They're probably already there and I'm going to hell. And so I freaked out in that dream and I fell on my knees and I started praying and crying and just asking to be forgiven and um anyway I woke up and I was like that that really stuck with me and it shook me up between the conversation with my mom and that it shook me up and I realized that you know what I'm not living the life I wanted to live and I needed to figure it out so I started to think about ways that I could try to um remove pornography from my life I realized that there were certain triggers um where 
I'd start, you know, I'd be on the computer by myself, I'd start Googling things, and then it would lead to me looking at pornography. And another, another thing would be um, me watching movies or TV shows or content that was heavily sexual, you know, had sex scenes, had all that stuff. And those things would, would lead me down that, does that path of, I'm going to now look at pornography. And it wasn't something that for a while I was cognizant of, but, but I, I started to realize that. So I started to try to make changes. I tried to avoid those triggers. I tried to not get on the computer by myself when I was by myself. I tried to avoid those movies, get rid of those movies out of my life. And, and it was successful to a certain degree, but I found that I would still stumble and I'd still like mess up. And next thing I know, I'm looking at pornography again and I felt terrible. So I, I actually started attending seminary again and, and they talked a lot about praying and reading scripture. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to give this a shot. And, um, I believe one of the steps of, you know, recovering from alcoholism, alcoholism is, you know, basically turning, you know, basically acknowledging a higher power. Um, and so I'm like, I'm going to try to do this. I'm going to try to acknowledge a higher power. And, you know, what I believed in was God and Jesus Christ. So I started praying and I started, um, trying to read scripture, which was difficult for me because I was a terrible reader and my reading comprehension stunk. And anyway, I found that through that, all of a sudden things became a little easier and there was like a little bit of the burden taken off my shoulders. And over time, like I still messed up and it was still really frustrating, but over time it, it started getting easier and there would be like longer periods of time that I went without looking at pornography until finally, like I wasn't looking at it anymore. And, and it was really because I felt close to God and I felt like a power that came from that, that I didn't have before. And even today, like what, 20 years 19 years later, like I still have to do those things. I still have to avoid those triggers and I still have to like part of why I believe in Jesus Christ is because I felt that power that came from trying to be close to him and helping me overcome that dark time in my life. And so, you know, those are things that I still have to do today because being a father and a husband, like the, the last thing I want to do is go down that road because it's going to take me to a place I just don't want to be. But what I feel is very, very important is doing something like that, having an addiction or looking at pornography or whatever it is, like you, you at times do feel like you're just a terrible person. Like you're really not, you're not a terrible person. What you're doing in that moment may not be right and it may not be good, but you yourself are not a terrible person. So please, please remember that because you can you can go down a whole road of beating yourself up and and just it leads to more more harm than it does good by by going down that path and so um those are those those are the things that really helped me relying upon the atonement of jesus christ like all of a sudden i started praying and all of a sudden i started actually trying to be a christian and trying to reach outside of myself um because that's like like i said my personal view on pornography is it's very um, it makes you very selfish and you're just thinking of yourself. And so I, I realized that. And so I intentionally started trying to reach out of my, trying to get back to who I was trying to reach out and trying to be a friend and trying to help people. 
Um, and a lot of that started with my me at work because those people didn't know my history. They didn't know who I was outside of work. And so I could be whoever I wanted to be. And so I think that I had a really good boss that he did call me on it once. He's like, so I hear you have a problem with pornography. I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> and he's like, oh, so it's not a problem at all. huh? It's just, you like to look at it. And I was like, what are you talking about? Um, so I guess it wasn't as secret as I thought it was, but, um, you know, he, he was an alcoholic and I didn't know if he was an alcoholic, a boss of mine, but, um, you know, he was able to, through talking with him about some different things and like, it was, I don't know, it was a lot of things, but when it came down to it, it was, it wasn't until I, I started relying on a higher power that I was able to really overcome that and uh, realize like, you know, this isn't me, like this, this addiction does not define me. Like I can be whoever I want to be. And, uh, through through really relying upon God and Jesus Christ, I was able to do that and I was able to overcome it. And it's not something that uh, just goes away. And I think Sway probably touched on that. I remember he talked in a lot of detail about it. And, and I think pretty much everybody else that talked about it previously touched on that as well. It's not like, okay, I'm done with this. It's in my past because there's always going to be triggers. And that's one of the things that I had written down is you... I've realized as, as I've kind of like analyzed it, there are things that trigger that desire to look at pornography for me. Like it, it started innocently. It was like, Oh, that, that, uh, you know, I'd watch a movie and it's like, Oh, that actress is really cute. So I'd like start Googling her. And then the Googling would turn into, Oh, I wonder if she's ever been topless in a movie. Oh, I wonder if this or that. And then next thing I know, I've gone down this huge rabbit hole of I'm looking at pornography movies or tv shows that have sexual content in them that's a huge trigger for me as well so i have to basically avoid those like the plague because uh it's just it's it's a road i don't want to go down ever again you know so like i remember working at working at the job i was in in salt lake fidelity everybody was obsessed with game of thrones and i've heard it's an amazing show but i also looked into it and know just how graphic of sexual stuff was going on in that move, that show. And so I knew like, okay, that's, I, I just can't, I can't do that because I know where it's going to take me, you know? So. I hear you. That's great. Well, and so tell us about like, you're kind of going into it, but so yeah. tell us about who is Andrew today. What, how who have you changed? Andrew today? It sounds like, yeah, you, um, like God and Jesus have become, became more important to you or more of a, like you said, yeah, I, I wanted to become a Christian. So yeah. that has been like kind of a change or something that's been a benefit. How else have you, have you changed as an adult? So, um, have you guys ever seen, um, Ted Lasso? Have you guys watched Ted yeah. Lasso? Yeah. I've seen okay. Ted Lasso. So, yeah, I mean, so I, I heard it was amazing. I looked into it. It didn't have really sexual content. So I'm like, okay, I know it curses a lot. It says the F word a lot. I'm going to give it a shot. First of all, I love it. It's amazing. But there's, there's this Gonzo. You may remember, do you remember the dark scene? Oh yeah. 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 The dark. Yeah. He's, yeah. 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 So he, um, Ted Lasso is his coach. He gets brought over to the premier league soccer in England. He's a football coach from America. He doesn't know anything about soccer is just screwing up, but he's like the most positive and energetic, enthusiastic person. And you can't help but like your guy. 
So anyway, he gets taken to this um, to this meeting where he thinks the the lady that owns the club thinks that she's meeting with certain people, while her ex husband that was cheating on her bought them out and is now they're meeting with him. So anyway, he plays darts with them, and um, he's trying. He has a bet with this this guy that's a total total jerk, and he basically is like, "All right, well, like he's way down, and he's like, hey, what do I have to do?" And it's like. He has to get like three triple twenties, a bullseye, all this crazy stuff. And so anyway, he's like, he starts this dialogue and he's talking about this quote from Walt Whitman. And, uh, he's like, you know, I've been underestimated my whole life. People just, you know, they, they always just look down on me and I never knew why. And then one day I saw this quote by Walt Whitman. It says, be curious, not judgmental. He's like, and I realized every single person that's ever looked down on me was never curious. They never asked me questions. They never tried to get to know me. Um, they just looked down on me and they made their judgments. And, uh, so anyway, this, this I'm going to actually send you the, the link because that's a clean epithetic, like a clean clip, but you can watch it and just see it. And the dialogue's amazing. But anyway, so that's actually kind of become my mantra is that Walt Women quote is be curious, not judgmental. And so, um, it comes out in a lot of different ways. Um, I'm, my personality is interesting because, I'm very outgoing in certain circumstances and then other or other circumstances. I'm pretty shy. So like in this type of a circumstance where it's like a couple of people, I'm extremely outgoing and I'm very charismatic. But then if you get me in a group of 20 or 30 or 50 people, like I get overwhelmed and I don't know how to be myself. If that makes sense. So my wife's like, Oh yeah, it's like you're an outgoing introvert. And I'm like, I don't know if that's what you call it, but all I know is like, I'm very charismatic in some circumstances and then I get in a huge group setting, especially if I don't know the people. And then I, it's like, I go in overload mode and I kind of freak out and I'm just like, dude, I don't know how to, I don't know how to be myself in this situation. So anyway, what I try to do is I try to put myself in those scenarios where I can be myself. Silly little things like I, I had to go. So I'm, I'm in the bishopric in my ward here and uh, I got asked to go to this youth it's a young man's high adventure camp and it was up in Sacramento and I'd never been up there. And I was like, okay, let's do it. So one night uh, we were camping out and it was a hundred degrees and I was like, dude, this is ridiculous. So I went to Walmart <laughs> buy a fan for my tent because I was sweating bullets in my tent that night. And I, I took one of the other leaders that was just turned 19 with me and we stopped at Taco Bell on the way back. Cause I mean, it was like chili cheese dogs or Taco Bell. I mean, I'll take Taco Bell every day of the week for that. <laughs> But, um, (laughs) some people might think those are the same thing. (laughs) Honestly, probably. I'll sleep in a tent after eating Taco Bell is dangerous. (laughs) (laughs) Or chili cheese dogs. Um, my stomach's more used to Taco Bell, so I took that over chili cheese dogs while I was camping. But anyway, um, I just like this girl that was at the check, like the window, they were really slow. And I'm like, dude, I bet this girl has been yelled at so many times today because they're just moving so slowly. So just not even thinking, I just started talking to her and I just started asking her how she was doing and started just conversing with her. And she lit up and it was so cool to see. Like, it was just such a small thing. And I didn't even think about it until afterward, the kid was like, his name's Nico. He's like, dude, why did you do that? And I was like, what? He's like, why did you start talking to that girl? I'm like, because she looks like she had a crappy day and she needed somebody just to talk to her. And he's like, huh, interesting. Maybe I'll try that sometime. 
I was like, yeah, like do it. Like if somebody looks like they're having a bad day, just try to be a nice person to them. So anyway, like I'm not trying to like toot my own horn or anything, but like that's, that's what I like to do is I try to help people to have a better day, help people to realize they're cared for. Um, I'll, I try to reach out to people that I haven't talked to for a while. And quite honestly, it's very thankless, a very thankless thing. Like sometimes it gets frustrating because, um, I try to put myself out there a lot now and it doesn't get reciprocated a lot and that's okay. But, um, but I just feel like with everything that's going on in the world, people need somebody. And if I can, if I can help at least one person, if I can just be somebody that lets somebody know, like, you know, you are cared for somebody's thinking about you. Then, then that's good enough for me. That's great. So, so what? Sorry, that was really long. No, no, that's no, fine. Good. So it sounds like <laughs> trying to be a positive person, trying to be curious, is um, some things that have been changes for you in, in in your life. What do you think have been your biggest lessons? What have you learned? So this has been talked about a few times. I at times have felt a lot of shame for not going to college and not doing that traditional route of like okay, I did high school and then I went to college and I've got this beautiful dream job. And like, I've had really good jobs and it hasn't been, it, uh, it's not like I'm not an educated person because education is something I'm very passionate about. But I've also realized for me, sitting in a classroom does nothing for me. Like I won't learn that way. I need to learn in my way by doing and by figuring it out myself. And so I'm actually in school right now to finish my degree. And Is it going to help me? I don't know, but it's something I want to do. So it's something that I'm just like, you know what? This is something I've always wanted. So I'm going to go and do it. And uh, so I'm doing that. But I've learned that there's different kinds of education. You don't have to focus on just college because I know a lot of people that went to college that, that don't know. Honestly, they don't really know anything like they, they could memorize and regurgitate and then they got out and then they didn't have any real world, real world skills. And so I think um, I'm grateful that job like employers are starting to look at people that have alternative types of education um, rather than just being like, oh, you have to check this box because that's something that I feel like is helps a lot of people. I think, Steve, you've, you've lived out of Utah, right? Yeah. You went to dental school outside of Utah, right? I went to dental school in Utah, but then I started oh. working in Washington State. Then we moved to Tennessee. Okay, cool. Moving outside of Utah has been one of the most amazing things for me. I love Utah. I love the mountains. I love so much about Utah. But there are certain things about Utah that I absolutely don't love. The inversion. The pollution. <laughs> that is, well, we get that here too. Oh, yeah, LA. <laughs> LA is pretty bad, but <laughs> most mostly the culture. Like there's there's a culture and I think it stems from a lot of people being members of the same church and that's the church I'm a member of. And I think people sometimes get wrapped up in a lot of things that aren't beneficial. They, it, it creates a very toxic culture. Like we, after we got married, we bought a house in Harriman and we lived there for two years. And I remember we moved into our ward and we're like, this is going to be so awesome. We're going to become friends with a bunch of people and we're going to be so outgoing Because I've always, I don't know, like our, our first ward that we were in when we were in an apartment, it was good, but it was kind of ho-hum. So we're like, sweet, we're laying down roots and we thought we were going to be there forever. Uh, and then we get into the ward and it's like, there were not friendly people there. Like 
the the members of the bishopric were not friendly. Um, there were a couple people that were friendly, but like overall, we were just like, dude, what did we just get ourselves into? This is crazy. And uh, I was like, you know, we're still going to do this. And we had this thing where once a month we'd invite people over to our house for dinner. And we're like, we're going to, we're going to force people to get out of their bubbles and, and do this. <laughs> um, and it, it would work for that one time, but then it's like, just the culture would suck them back to what, what it was. Um, and then leaving Utah and, and seeing life outside. Um, it has been amazing. Um, the diversity, I, there's a lot of things I don't like about, California, but the diversity is incredible. It's like this melting pot of all these different cultures. And there are some incredible people that you can learn so much for that don't have your same beliefs. Like I've worked with people. I've worked with a lot of people from China doing real estate here. I worked with a guy who is, um, he's from India and he's like one of the coolest people I've ever met. And he's very dedicated to his religion. And I've like one of my best friends here. Um, is this guy that's a Christian guy and he goes to his church and he's just like, he just loves Jesus. And like, he's one of the happiest people I've ever met. And after, after hanging out with him a couple of times, I started thinking and I'm like, okay, so he's so happy in his church. Why are there so many people so miserable in my church? Cause I, I'm, I mean, you guys have probably felt that, right? Like there's this, like this weird culture of guilt that happens in the LDS church at times. Um, and like, I felt it. I mean, there were, there were many times that I felt that up until I moved here and I realized like, dude, I need to let that go. That's not healthy. Um, but I just feel like there's a lot of people in Utah that would benefit a lot from leaving Utah for a time period and seeing just how awesome outside of Utah is and realizing like, okay, you have your beliefs and that's fantastic. Like believing in something is wonderful regardless of what that is. But like, it's good also to see that other people have beliefs too and, and accepting those people for who they are and, and loving those people for who they are. Um, that's just, that's something that I didn't, I don't feel as much with, with some of the people that I associated with in Utah. Sorry, I'm talking a lot. One more quick thing. No, no, you're, 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 I'm, and I'm with you. I'm like, <laughs> Uh, I agree. I agree with what you're saying. I think it happens yeah. when you're in an area where there's lots of people of the same belief system, whether, whether it's a church or a, a politics or whatever, a big group. If There's so many people that are the same. Because when we moved to Washington, it was similar. Our, our town, uh, everybody went to like this one church. And I was like, oh my gosh, all the things you're complaining about are the same things that I've always heard about Utah. And you realize that I think it's just when there's a when there's a dominant it has to do with majority a, a homogenized group. Yeah. And so within a homogenized group, people have to then subdivide and find other differences. So if you're talking about your warden Harriman, I bet it was super clicky. You know? It's oh, like, absolutely. So yeah, because yeah. you have all your neighbors and then now it's going to be like, well, we're the ones that are into like roller skating. And, you know, so we don't want to talk to the Macy's cause like, they're not, they're not like us, our group or whatever, you know, whatever it is. He just they plays basketball. All, exactly. <laughs> they come all these yeah. clicks. But then when you go outside of Utah, um, being Mormon is kind of a rare thing. So then it's just like, Hey, you're Mormon. I'm Mormon. It's like, we're best friends now. <laughs> you know, it's just like, <laughs> it, it, it becomes like, cause that, that's how I felt. I served my mission in DC 
And I like, you know, I was talking to Steve, I've, I've told you this, I'm like, wow, the church is a little truer in DC, you know, it's just like, <laughs> because the people there, like on Sunday, they didn't have the pressure of like, if I'm going to church or like, if I'm not going, like, are my neighbors going to notice that I'm not there? The, because the, the war boundary is like really big and none of your next door neighbors are members. If you're going to church, it's because you yeah. really wanted to go, mm-hmm. you know, there's no pressure that way. Well, there is that pressure here. I think when there's a lot of diversity, like there's like this ideal image. Like if you're a good member of the church, this is what you do. And if anyone strays from that norm, then it's like, yeah, um, you know, yeah, people kind of scratch their heads and there can be shame involved. There can be blame or, okay, there must be something wrong with Andrew. Why is he doing this? Whatever it may be. But, uh, you know, I, I, I 1000% agree with you. I loved getting out of Utah, but it also made me appreciate Utah and what it has to offer a lot more coming back. Dude, I could not agree more because we've, we have considered strongly moving back. Um, cause I work in, I obviously work in real estate, but I also do marketing. So I do photography, videography, I do social media marketing. And so that you can do that anywhere really. Like, I mean, I know Utah's oversaturated because anybody is just like, I mean, same with real estate. It's like, Oh, Hey, you know what I need to sell my house? I'll go get my real estate license. And you don't know what the crap you're doing, but you're going to go get your real estate license. So you don't have to pay somebody else 20 or 30 grand, right? Mm-hmm. Or you right. use homie and then you regret it. Um, <laughs> have you used homie before, Gonta? Yeah, we sold our last place with homie and it was an awesome experience. <laughs> oh, really? It was? Okay, good. Okay, that's good though. Cause you're the first person I've ever talked to that's used them that had a good experience. Oh, uh, yeah. No, it was... It was great, but the the thing is, yeah. the market was really hot, so like the houses were selling themselves here. Just like the the day yeah. we put it up, someone put an offer. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it, it well, a real estate agent. It's like it depends on the market. It's like if the market was sure. cold and and someone would have to do a lot of legwork to like try to find, it would have been a different story. But we just happened to sell it at a time where like people were really looking to buy. Yeah, good. I'm glad, man. That makes me happy. Is literally like I've I've talked to multiple people that have used them and they're like yeah like they made some promises that they didn't live up to and like I basically had to sell my own home and uh, and that's unfortunate like I get it trying to save money and stuff but I also believe in paying people if they're worth paying them right but yeah. that's just me um, so we paid we paid somebody to sell our house in Harriman because I wasn't licensed real estate in Utah and he sold it in two days like. Two days after it went up, he, it was, it was good, you know, and we got it done. Um, but so anyway, cause we looked into homey a lot and that's when I started reaching out to people that had used them. But yeah, interesting thing. I have a home that's in escrow out in the city of Redlands, which is nowhere near here. It's out by San Bernardino. And I was there yesterday cause there was a home inspection. <laughs> and this house is so weird. It was built in 1946. So you walk in and it's like the living room and then they have this huge window in the middle of the back wall. And then there's two different separate doors to go outside. And, and so the inspection finishes and I'm there with my buyers and the, the listing agent was there. And she said this really quirky thing that I'm kind of like, who in the world says that? She's like, yeah, this is a really weird window. I wonder if the people that built this whole home were Mormon. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, like to keep their wives separate. Like, uh, anyway, I didn't, I didn't say anything. Cause I'm just like, you know what? Like, I don't care. But afterward, the girl leans over to me and she's like, Andrew, aren't you Mormon? I was like, yeah, that lady doesn't know what the heck she's talking about. <laughs> and she's like, okay, cool. 
Maybe she was just doing her work, like her job it to was, like open her mouth. <laughs> it was a window, but it was also a Joe Smith mosaic, so that's why. <laughs> <laughs> that's why that pillar of light shined in perfectly, exactly, right? Yeah, there's no. added light. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's something that I become very passionate about. Is like being Christian is more than just going to church. Like being Christian means that you're actually trying to be a good person. And like, I don't know. I just, I feel like they're one of the things that drives me nuts. And my wife and I have talked about this a lot and it's people mean well by it, but like, this is something that drove me crazy when I was starting to go back to church in high school is, um, everybody would walk up and be like, where have you been? We haven't seen you for so long. Where have you been? And it's like, okay, I know they mean well but it makes you feel like you're a total idiot because you haven't been there. And are you going to be like, well, actually I was at home looking at pornography. Right. No, you're not going to say that. Right. If but... you did, they probably wouldn't ask you again. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> so, so that like, I know people mean well by that, but like that, that is the wrong way to approach it. Like yeah. that just showing people love, you know, and like, especially like I have a friend who um, for health reasons had to return home from his mission early. And he was treated very poorly by a lot of people because they just jumped to conclusions on why he came home early. And like, truth be told, like who gives a crap why he came home early? Like mm-hmm. it's none of our business, right? Like whether he was doing something shady or whether he was sick or whatever it was like that has zero implications in my life. Other than like this kid is going to be struggling. He needs to show he needs love and he needs support. Like, because there's a lot of pressure to serve a mission in the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, especially if you're a guy and if you come home, like there's, you oftentimes feel like you're a failure. Yeah. Well, it's a cultural rite of passage Mm -hmm. is how young men, it's how young men become men in our, in, in our Mormon culture. For sure. No, but yeah. And I used to tell people like when I was a missionary, I would say like, Hey, don't say where you've been. Say, I'm really happy to see you. Yes. <laughs> I don't always say like, Hey, when you, if you see someone or like, it's like, don't say where you've been. It's like, I haven't seen you forever. Just be like, Hey, I'm really happy you're here. I'm so happy to see you. Just say that. Yeah. Dude, that's the way to do it. I'm, I'm serious. That's the way. I don't know this, this friend of mine, he, he had some people say some things and he ended up leaving the church for quite a while and became pretty bitter and, you know, went down his path doing, doing what he was doing and trying to figure out who he was and, and ultimately down the road, he, he ended up coming back to the church and he's happy and everything. But like, it's interesting just hearing his point of view. And it, it all stemmed from that. Like he came home for his mission early and he's like, Hey, I want to still be a part of the church. I want to be active in this. And so he went down to BYU and was like doing the, what is it? EFY. He was being like an EFY teacher and stuff, but then just stuff people were judging him on led him to be like, dude, I'm out. Like, this is not cool. Like stop bugging me about this stuff rather than just being like dude you must be going through a really hard time i'm here for you if you need anything like i'm really happy you're good all that stuff so i think since probably the majority of the people that listen to this are in utah that would be my thing is like if you take one thing from this podcast well two pornography is bad don't look at it number and then the other one is just try to be cool to people like try to love people try to be kind to them like especially if you are a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, like be the outlier that is not part of that toxic culture. 
like try to realize there's somebody suffering. There's somebody that is having a crappy day and you can make a difference. I love it. So then, I mean, it sounds like we kind of got into passion. So yeah, it sounds like Christianity being a good Christian is like a passion of yours, right? It is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like I said before, education, like I don't have a college degree and I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm, it's been a goal of mine and I like to reach goals. So I'm doing it. I'm also extremely educated because the things that I want to learn, I figure out how to learn those things. So like videography, photography, like those are things I learned myself by, by doing different forms of education rather than being like sitting in a college classroom, right? Learning how to do social media marketing. That's something that I learned myself through other means rather than sitting in a college classroom. Um, I don't want to dissuade anybody saying like that's a bad thing because it's absolutely not, but it's just not for everybody. And there's, I feel like sometimes people are looked down upon because they don't follow that traditional path. And I think somebody previously had mentioned like some of the schooling systems I do feel like kind of fail kids because they're just trying to feed them into that path rather than saying like, okay, there are trade schools. There's other forms of education you can follow. You don't have to take that traditional college route if you don't want to. Right. And it's been a, I mean, it's an American, American cultural thing. Like, you know, we've had this whole thing and I don't know what your thoughts on this, um, on this student loan forgiveness thing. There's been a lot of conversations about it culturally through for the last, like, maybe not the last 20 years that we've been out of school, but when we were in school and 20 years back, the line that we were fed is like, Hey, you got to go to college. You got to go to, you got to go to college. And we not only through school, but what we see in TV and movies and the basic American culture was you move out, you go to college for four years, you're like studying and partying and like, you know, living it up. But then as that cost increased, it, you, it, it became like you do have to like take all these loans to have this like four year experience that you're supposed to as an American have. And yeah. now, now you have kids that were like 150 or $200,000 in debt with like, you know, whatever a degree that maybe may or may not be like very good. And, um, you know, crippling, crippling debt for like years and years. So it's like, I don't know. It's, it's obviously something that's, it's been, it's on my mind a lot. It's just like, yeah. And, you know, I have my own personal ideas of educational reform, but it is something that, you know, will bankrupt our country if we don't reform it. Mm -hmm. Well, Steve, I mean, what are your thoughts seeing as how you are a dentist and I'm sure you probably had to take out student loans for that, right? Oh yeah. I, I think that you have to, I think the $10,000 is going to help a bunch of people, but until like. Every, there's people that are going to be signing up for student loans tomorrow. They're not going to get $10,000. Like you have to fix the system. It, it's a band-aid thing. When yeah. we create a thing, it's like if I went to a bank and I said, Hey, I have an idea for a business. I need $50,000. They would say, no, they're going to look at every single, like, you know, what collateral do you have? Like exactly. look at stains in every single one of your underwear before they give you like <laughs> yeah. this money. But then you have some 18 year old, 19 year old kids. Like I want to go to college. And they say, okay, <laughs> and they just give you, tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, I just had a discussion with a, a friend of mine today, uh, really discouraging. So he and I worked together as dentists in Washington and we both left that practice. He, he bought one and he's been working the last three years in Arizona. And I just been thinking about it. So I reached out and he, 
he was like, dude, I, I ended up going bankrupt. And he moved to this small town. He couldn't sell his practice. He couldn't pay his bills. Everyone, he couldn't. And so now he moved to Oklahoma. He, he's like, I have, I owe more in student loans 12 years later than when I got out of school because he's been making payments, but not like he's been doing like the whole, um, income based repayment program and you can like pay less. But if you just do that, like your debt is growing. So you have people that have been paying for 10, 15 years and they owe more than when they started. So I can see how it's like, what do you do? And so he claimed bankruptcy. He tried to sell his practice. He couldn't. So now the owner of his practice like took his patients, took the equipment, has been selling it off. He has nothing to stand on. And he's like, like super, super depressed, borderline suicidal. It's like, what do I do? I owe more money now and I have nothing to my name. I'm bankrupt. I, and because of everything he's going through, student loans are still like, he still has to pay them back through the bankruptcy. So he lost everything else. He lost his house. He lost his practice. The bankruptcy doesn't like those student loans survive. They're just, yeah, he'll still owe money. That's all done. And so it is, I mean, I see a lot of people kind of going off about it and it's like, I didn't look my, my, was it my mortgage now identifies as a student loan, like whatever, all these people, but 18 year old, 19 year old kids, I feel like they're being lied to and they don't know what they're getting it's into. It's almost predatory and, lending. Well, and all of the universities, yeah. look at the cost of education. It's gone up so high because they're like, oh, these kids are going to get money. Let's raise our prices. They'll have to pay for it. They're stupid. Like, well, I just don't they know think- like, hey, kids want to come to mm-hmm. us because if they don't, they'll feel like a failure as an American, you know, or like, so it's like, it's true. And they've been taught all their lives that they need to. So we'll just keep raising the prices until someone tells us to stop and no one's telling them to stop. And the only accountable person is the student. So sorry, you, you asked me, I, 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 I don't have a problem with the $10,000 thing. I have a huge problem that people signing up for student loans tomorrow are, are, are they going to get that same thing? You have to, address the problem like ten thousand exactly. dollars would do nothing to my student loans i, I yeah, have right? hundreds of thousands of dollars in student <laughs> loans and so, i tell my wife all the time i'm worth way more to her dead than i am alive <laughs> um so i you know but it is what it is and i signed up for it and i had an idea of what it would be going into it and it's a lot and i just get to work yep. and i don't spend every day paralyzed by the idea of paying it back i just try to live my life and make my payments you know but I didn't ask for forgiveness. I know there's a lot of people that are struggling. And so, I don't know. I think that if someone wants to go the route, like we talked to Dustin about it. We talked to Duper about it. Like if we have a guidance counselor gearing, like kind of nudging you towards doing a trade school or something, I think like there's so much freedom to do that, to be able to live a much more prosperous life. Well, and I think too, the, the, in, the, in the recent years, it has become like an equal option. It's just like, these are like possibilities that you can have for your future. You can go into a trade school, become like, you know, a bad A plumber, you know, and, and make a ton of money. And like some people's aptitude, it doesn't, it doesn't mean like, Hey, you're smart. You should go to college. You're stupid. You should go to uh, trade school. It's like, if your like personal aptitudes are like, I have a mind where I understand like things that work mechanically. So like an electrician and a tech, a technical mechanic is like a good job for me. It's like, that's awesome. And it doesn't, it doesn't mean 
you're any lower or you're better or any worse than someone that's going to go to college and get like a degree in English or communications or whatever. That's really good. And that's what Andrew was saying, right? Like it's not the yeah. traditional sitting in a classroom. You're like, I want hands on. I want the experience. I want to learn myself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like, Hey, I wanted to learn marketing. So it's like, okay, my degree that I'm studying is in marketing. And if I'm being completely honest with you, I can probably tell you I knew everything that I'm learning. Like, and it's because I'd previously learned it through other channels. Um, like I just took a course that is 12 credits and it's supposed to take me my whole semester. I finished it in a week and a half. And I'm not saying like I'm a fantastic student or anything like that. Cause honestly, I'm, I'm a pretty crappy student, <laughs> but like, but you knew but the material. Yeah. I knew the material because I had learned it previously by doing the job. Like, when I came to this, to California, like I got hired on at a real estate developer being his director of marketing. And I had never been a director of marketing. I didn't know what the crap that meant. And honestly, like it was like drinking from a fire hose, but I learned how to do it. And, uh, and then I had never, I had like tracked real estate and I was always interested in Utah, but I was doing financial planning. So I had never delved into that because I never wanted to touch that with a 10 foot pole in Utah. But, um, I learned that and I taught myself how to do that through study and through, you know, and, and then next thing I know, I'm managing a sales office selling 77 homes that are three quarter million dollar homes in California. And I'm like, dude, I don't know anything about this city. So I had to learn stuff about the city to sell the city. And I had to, I had to learn about construction to sell the homes and all that stuff. And so I just, yeah, I mean, Personally, I don't really have a big opinion on the student loan thing because, um, fortunately, like I waited long enough to really get into the bulk of my education to where I haven't had to take student loans and I'm doing it in a way like I'm not doing it through a college that is 15 or 20 grand a, a, a term. I'm doing it through Western Governors University. It's like four grand a term. Yeah. And so fortunately, like. I have that money saved that I can just go ahead and be like, okay, every six months I know there's four grand. I can save that and I can be good. Right. I think that, uh, I do agree with you. I do feel like the lenders are predatory and I think that there's a lot of issues, but it's not something that I personally have a very strong opinion on. Mm -hmm. So it's, it is interesting to see what people say on social media about it though. People are still mad. So (laughs) yeah. Oh my gosh, dude. Yeah. Andrew, so are we? Did we get through your passions? Do you have anything else on there, dude? Let me look at my notes. One other passion that I have is is relationships. Um, part of the reason why I decided that I wanted to do this is because I like to try to be friends with good people. I like to try to get to know good people. And I honestly don't remember. Did we really associate in high school? Do you guys remember? I I don't like I was like yeah. racking my brain and try I, I try to come up with something if it's someone I didn't spend a lot of time with, but I I don't have any like memories with you. Yeah, and honestly, it's probably because the point in time when like I had probably already pulled myself away far enough at that time. Because I remember you guys were you guys student body officer senior year was that when it was just Steve yeah okay just Steve. So I, I think I, rem- I knew who you were, Steve, and I knew who Gonzo was. Gonzo was very outgoing and charismatic and stuff. And, but I, I couldn't think of any memories also, but I just feel like listening to you guys talk and, and seeing what you guys are doing. I was like, dude, I want to be friends with those guys. Those guys seem cool. <laughs> and like, 
I don't know. I've learned the value of friendship as well. Cause when we moved here, we moved here December, 2019, like right before Christmas. And then three months later, the world shut down for COVID. So our house was being built. I was doing sales. I was trying to figure out how to do life in California. And then the world shut down. And like, like we previously talked about the people that are members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. A lot of your friends come from church. You meet people that have similar interests and I didn't have that. So all of a sudden I'm stuck in a place that I know nothing about that. I don't know anybody. And then it's like, okay, I don't have friends. And the friends that I do have in Utah don't understand what I'm going through because they're completely separate worlds. Um, and so I feel like that's something I'm passionate about too, is like, I want to be friends with people. I want to create and maintain relationships. That's something that's a big driver for me in life. And that's part of, like I said, why I came on here is I'm like, these dudes seem cool. And I like them because <laughs> the way that you're approaching this, right? No, thank you. People tell their stories. Hey, and anytime you're out here, grab some lunch or come out for dinner or something. And we'd love to have you for reals. Dude, I'm going to hit you up on that. And if I, uh, if I remember, I'll bring my tennis rackets and we can hit. Gonzo has extra. Yeah, I have extra or we can do pickleball, (laughs) whatever. (laughs) Yeah. I'm honestly pretty terrible because like I said, I, I don't have anybody to play with right now, but, um, but it's fun. My wife and I went up to Santa Barbara for a weekend, like, two or three months ago and we went and hit up there at the hotel we were staying at and it was really fun but it uh just brought back memories and made me miss it (laughs) no yeah and i I love it i agree with you that's something and uh, i'm passionate about that too i like making connections connecting with people and it it takes effort it does it's not um yeah it's not something that can be done effortlessly you have to like hey you have if you want it to happen you have to reach out to people you have to like hey either come over or let's get together or, or set things up uh, because everybody's busy we all have families and we're at a point of, point of our lives where in our family with our kids and all this stuff and it's easy to to forget but we're like humans are social animals and we need connection we need friendship that stuff is important and helps us so i'm I, I love it. I hear you. I'm I'm all about it too. Yeah. And uh, one other thing I uh, am very passionate about is like being a father. It's something I grew up in a big family. I love families. I've always loved families. We had a pretty messed up situation. We had some pretty messed up situations at times in my family, but it actually helped us bond really closely together. So I have a very unique and special relationship with my siblings and with my mom. It's interesting because, you know, becoming a dad in my thirties, it's like, Oh, you know, I already have all these habits, like going to social media and doing all these different things. Right. And like, um, one thing I read a book called presence, I think it's by Amy Cuddy and it's just all about being present and how to be present. And that changed my life. Honestly, it did because all of a sudden I realized like, Holy crap. Like if I'm on my phone, even if it's for work and my kid is right there, all they're seeing is dad's on his phone. Cause they're not paying, he's not paying attention to me. Right. And so that's something I've become very passionate about is like when you're with when I'm with my kids and when I'm with my family, I want to be with my family. I want to give them my undivided attention. That's really hard. And like I work with social media and I actually don't like social media. (laughs) I personally don't. That's I mean, I don't post regularly. Um, I never post things about my kids. I just 
that's just me. I just am not a social media person, but um, I know that it's very effective with marketing. And so I've learned how to market it. Right. Right. So. So do we, uh, do we have any beef? Nope. No beef. I don't have any beef. No beef. I mean, yeah. But do you have a fun story you want to share to close out? <laughs> okay. Dude, so Sway had kind of alluded to this. Um, I don't remember. This is probably our junior year, is my guess, because um, it was Sway Chavez, Nick Smith, and myself. And, you know, high school in Utah, what are you going to do when you're bored? You go you go cruise State Street, right? I think yeah. you guys had, Steve, you talked about that once. Um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Me and Bowen Harrison Lee. <laughs> Valentine's Day 2004. <laughs> But I, I never, nothing ever good came out of it for me. So, you know, you just do it for the thrill or whatever. So anyway, uh, one night we're all prettied up, us three guys, Sway was driving. We were cruising state and we meet these girls in another car and we're trying to like flirt with them and stuff. And they're like, Hey, you know, it's, it's going on multiple stoplights. Finally, they're like, Hey, follow us up to the old ab- abandoned children's hospital, that super creepy place up in the avenues. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're like, okay, sweet. So, <laughs> um, back then I had this bad habit of like acting before I thought and just not understanding situations. So I would just do stuff. So anyway, we get up there and Sway and Nick aren't getting out of the car. And I'm like, guys, there's a girl. So I jump out of the car and I like start running up to where the girls are. And then they all of a sudden start hiding and these huge Tongan dudes start walking towards us. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh crap, I'm going to die. And so I go and I run back and jump in the car and Sway's yelling at me. He's like, Macy, get in the car, get in the car. And so anyway, I jump in and these guys are trying to break Sway's windows to like beat us up basically because apparently these, these girls are their boyfriends or whatever. But um, yeah, like Sway was trying to, it was, he had the car that had the roll up where you actually <laughs> had to roll it. So he's like trying to roll it up while this dude's like trying to pull down the window and hit him. And I'm like trying to block the dude's hand from the back seat. And Nick's over there being like, Oh my gosh, what the heck? So anyway, that was the, that was a crazy story. We ended up getting away, but, um, me being the idiot that I was, I jumped out of the car and I start running up to where these girls are and then almost got mugged because of it. <laughs> crazy. So yeah. I, Sway like called me that night or like the next day and tell me all about that. He was like, <laughs> crapped his pants. He's like, I remember he punched through the window and I saw like this glint of blood like shoot off from his knuckle because he punched the top of my door. <laughs> he was freaking out when he told me the story. It's like, but yeah. I told it just like you did. So either you guys planned this or uh, it must no, have really happened. It's, unless it was like a really elaborate dream and it was like Inception, it really happened. That's so crazy. <laughs> Moral of the story. Actually like, I need to talk to Sway about that. I'd like to hear him share his side because I don't I don't think we ever talked about it. Uh, <laughs> he gets really animated. I guess I have, I mean, when he told me about this 17 years ago, 18 years ago, <laughs> but the stories match up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad. Funny. I'm glad I don't have like something like super way off or anything, but. Now we just um, need to have Nick come on, tell the same story. <laughs> Yeah, I'd love to hear from Nick. I haven't, I haven't talked to him in a long time. I, I, uh, I think he and his wife share a Facebook account, and I had reached out to him via Facebook because I don't have his phone number anymore, and I never heard back. So I'm, his wife's probably like, who the crap is this dude? I don't know who he is. <laughs> but um, <laughs> no, Sway, Sway was actually in my Harriman ward. 
he uh i don't know if we moved in first or if he moved in first but um he was one of the few friends that i made in the, well that i i regained our friendship because he was in that ward with me hmm. nice but i had never heard his story until the podcast so it was pretty fascinating to hear i would have never guessed all that stuff went down yeah yeah yeah, yeah. No, no, he's a good dude. Episode twenty-seven, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Go and listen to it. Yeah. yeah, Go and listen to Sway's story. Is it was really good? Yeah, it was really good. But I would say probably some reverse beef. Um, I don't know if Zach Mitchell listens to this, but I actually, like I said, I don't remember what lost our relationship, but it happened like probably junior sophomore year. Um, it had to do. He kind of became a player. And I wasn't cool with it. And so I probably said some things that kind of didn't, he didn't like. And he probably said some things I didn't like. And that probably ruined it. But I actually saw him at, <laughs> at, uh, back when it was Gold's Gym. I saw him, I ran into him in Gold's Gym in our mid 20s. And he's like, dude, we need to catch up. And I was like, yeah, no. And I just like never called him <laughs> to actually catch up. I actually feel pretty bad about that because I'm sure he's a good dude. You forgot. Yeah. That you're not supposed to hate the player. You're supposed to hate the game. <laughs> Dude, I did. I did hate the game. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> Dude, I like it. It's good. Dude, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> uh, so you never talked to him after that? I have not talked to him. No, I haven't. I And now we don't live there, so I'm probably not going to run into him in Georgia and Gold gym so um i know that he's married and he's got kids but other than that i don't know anything um and then i do have some katie lofgren so she and i were really close for a really long time and we kind of like dated on and off a little bit um we were really good friends and then i had this really genius idea that was probably not a genius idea when i got engaged to my wife and we were about to get married and i was like hey if i've ever dated a girl like so backstory I had, I had somebody that was like a relative who met up with a previous girlfriend on Facebook and cheated on his wife and ended up leaving his wife for that girl. Right. So oh, wow. this is in my mind when I'm thinking this, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to remove all of those past relationships that I've had, people that I've had feelings for. I'm going to remove them because I don't want that to happen to me, you know, probably good intentions. But so Katie was one of those people that I had removed and we were friends um, and it didn't go down well. And it was, and I, I'm sorry that it didn't. Um, I don't regret the decision of doing it. I just, I didn't handle it well. I should have just talked to her and I handled it very poorly. I won't go into details, but so Katie, if I know you listen, I'm sorry about the way I handled that. I apologize. And I hope you guys are doing well. Andrew, thank you so much. Thanks for being on. Thanks for being open. Uh, so good to talk to you. It's good to talk to you guys. And I'm serious. Like, I uh, I would like to be friends with you guys now if, if you guys are open to that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We're serious too. Anytime you're in town, come on and let's get together. Cool. You can you can shoot us messages, texts, whatever, yeah. all the time. We answer. We can actually even be real yeah. friends, not podcast related. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, <laughs> I, I don't do that. I only do podcast friends. <laughs> I'm down. That's fine. Well, send no. us a voice memo every week. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, just thinking about you. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that amazing hour and a half we had together. <laughs> so good. Best hour and a half of my week. <laughs> yeah, thank you no. so much. Yeah, thank you. Right, it's, it's been great. <laughs> yeah, it's been good talking to you guys. Have a good night. Good night, Andrew. Bye. See ya. Bye.
Gonzo, we just finished talking to Andrew. What are your thoughts? It was a great conversation. I have thoughts about, obviously, pornography. It's a big deal. And it's a it's a big deal for our generation specifically. We've had lots of guests talk about pornography viewing and pornography addiction and the damage that it's done. You know, he talks about, he talked about like, it's a selfish thing and it makes you objectify, um, you know, he being heterosexual, it makes it made him objectify women, right? He started seeing women as objects and how then that was damaging. And then through his relationship with Jesus Christ and God, he was able to, you know, leave that addiction behind and, and it's been a positive thing. That was, that was great. And I think it's a, a common story that we're, that we're hearing. It is a common, common among our generation. And that was great. It was great to, um, to hear, you know, his stories about church and living in California, his thoughts on education. It, yeah, it was great to talk to him. I'm, I'd love, I'd love to get together. Yeah, if you want to come over and whenever he's in town, you just pop in for the weekend. To come see us. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was interesting how he went off on that whole um, like Utah Mormon culture thing, and I, the I really feel like the the pornography addiction and the shame that you feel with that has such strong ties to. I don't want to look bad or feel bad. And I think that there's a lot of shame because it's like whatever your sexual preference is, like you're going to see something that you're attracted to. Like, I don't know. You see like as a, as a guy that's heterosexual, you see like a pretty girl. You're like, I like seeing pretty girls or whatever it may be. Yeah. But then when you start to do things that are a big sin or you should just have more self-control or don't do these things. And then when you do those things, how is it handled? Are people handling it with love or are they handling it with like shame on you? And like, I feel like there's such this, this heavy weight and burden that people walk around with feeling because they feel like they've done something so wrong and they don't want anyone to know. Well, we've been taught as, as far back as I can remember, you know, Gordon B. Hinckley was saying like, Hey, this is as addictive as heroin or like avoid this as you would avoid, you know, the black plague or whatever, you know, it's like, we've had that kind of language around it. So then there is a cycle of shame. You know, you view this thing, you feel like you're total garbage. I think Sway mentioned, like, it has to do with compulsion. It's like if you're compulsed to to see it and then how much of that compulsion has to do with, like, the shame involved in viewing it. I don't have any answers about it. <laughs> I think the one big thing, and I love that Andrew brought it up, is like, understand your own triggers. Like if this is a thing that makes you miserable, he knows I don't want to see this. I don't want to see this. I don't want to see this. Right. So if I'm looking at a show or a movie, I look it up first and it's like, Oh, if it has that thing, I just don't put myself in a position right. to go down that path again. And I mean, it was a great conversation. I love talking to him. And I think he, he covered a lot of ground. I didn't, I, I don't know that guy. Yeah. Um, but, I, uh, I really appreciate him reaching out. I, we had Chad come on because of him. And so I I look forward to hopefully having a relationship with him. And I encourage everybody else, if you haven't been on yet, to reach out. <laughs> yeah. If you'd like to be on the podcast, send us an email. JordanHigh2004podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to get you on the schedule. 
and just chat it up for a while. That's right. Make as many friends as possible. <laughs> Love it. Okay. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye. Bye.